The battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome back to the Lead Pursuit Podcast. Tonight, we're trying to get back into our old routine, talk about the things that you don't care about, and share parts of our lives that you really never even asked for. But that's okay, because guess what? That's what you pay us a lot of money for. Oh, wait, nobody pays us any money. Anyway, tonight on the podcast, I'm joined by Steve. Steve, a man who is so angry that every time he opens up the ready room, I get a new Facebook Messenger rant. Steve, how are you doing tonight? Like you said, I'm angry. I'm ready. Angry, Let's angry do it. Steve. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. And then Brett, we, we, we are also joined by our mellow, mild-mannered Brett, who all he does is drop things that should belong in the alternative ready room, these Wonder Waffle fighters. He drops them into the uh, Blood Red Skies ready room to stir the pot. Brett, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm your... Kind and gentle posture, kind and gentle. I'm such a kind and gentle soul, and I hope all of you burn in hell as soon as I put all this on there. Yeah, yeah, nice. Thanks. Thanks, Brett. All right, so let's talk through some schedule. Uh, obviously, we've all been busy, but events are coming up, and planning has to be done, and we know that people are trying to get their schedules put together. So let's talk briefly about what we know is coming up. In July, 22 to 24, there's two events that are going on simultaneously. Twisted Lords Con is going on out in Oklahoma City. I will not be there uh, as per the last two years. Uh, Unfortunately, I have a work trip that will keep me uh, occupied then. Casey will be there, and Casey will be doing some Blood Red Skies events. So the link is on our website underneath the Gathering of Eagles page. If you go in there, events will get populated into tabletop uh, Yes, the tabletop events thing, whatever it's called. I can't think. Uh, but they, those will get populated into the tabletop events, and you'll be able to sign up for the Blood Red Skies events. Now, simultaneously, Historicon, Lancaster, PA, right? Right, I think. Steve, somewhere out there in Pennsylvania. Yeah, uh, in, <laughs> in not the Great White North at that point, uh, in the middle of summer. Historicon is going on. There will be a Friday Blood Red Skies tournament. More details to follow, but that is once again because uh, Steve does have things in his life other than having to play Blood Red Skies and help the Lead Pursuit podcast by being a co-host. So we've moved that to Friday, but we'll get those two events knocked out. So we'll be doing simultaneous Blood Red Skies events on that weekend. A little bit later, once I get back from actually earning the paycheck that the government pays me, the uh, 16th through 18th of August, NashCon, I will be there. I will be playing Blood Red Skies, maybe a little Aeronautic Imperialis, definitely playing some Aerodrome 2.0 uh, because we know that uh, that Stan's going to be there. So that will be the next event on our schedule, and we'll have the same uh, laydown that we had previously for the tournament right there in the entryway, and that should be a good time. The big picture event, the the Gathering of Eagles, if there's going to be a Gathering of Eagles <laughs> for 2022, is going to be Crucible. 
in Orlando, 30 September to 2 October. Now, it's about to go live. So if you go to the Crucible website, you can't sign up yet. 31 May, sometime 31 May, morning, evening, don't know. Registration will open and you can sign up. Uh, first 200 entrants get a swag bag. The rest of you, shit out of luck. You get nothing. Uh, but uh, you will get to go uh, to all the different tournaments and all the different vendor of things they will have. Uh, they have not put out much of a schedule. I know the Warlord reps were signing up. Uh, spent a lot of time in Messenger today negotiating about tables and sizes of events and times. So those things are all uh, in planning. Hopefully the schedule will be live and be fairly accurate. Do know that Saturday during the day is when the Blood Red Skies tournament is going to be. Now, we will have a permanent table. We'll have an area to play narrative games. We'll have an area to gather around and have a good time and ass around and act like we're actually playing war games when we're just telling terrible stories about Brett. But that is going to be our chance to have kind of our own small event and have a good time. Uh, all of us should be there, knock on wood. Uh, and uh, especially if Steve's using all of his uh, ticket uh, <laughs> vouchers <laughs> from his last uh, ill-fated attempt to be uh, to fly out of uh, Orlando. Uh, but we're going to have a good time down there, uh, get together, play some Blood Red Skies, play some other stuff, and have fun. All right. Other events. Brett, Steve, anything else on your personal schedules that is of interest to the rest of the community? Probably not. Nobody cares. Uh, I will be hanging out at World War II weekend at the Mid-Atlantic Air Museum. Not necessarily that the Blood is Red always, Skies thing. Yeah, but that's always a, a good time. Yeah, you know, a huge World War II thing. If anybody in the Northeast is just into World War II, into historical stuff, uh, Reading, Pennsylvania, pretty good fun time if you got nothing watch airplanes going on. fly by people shoot yeah. off flamethrowers <laughs> yeah flame tanks throwers, drive across fields <laughs> french bar towns i mean it's just a great time in general so i'll be hanging out there if anybody else is there shoot us a facebook message maybe we'll meet up absolutely absolutely that uh, that's always a good time i've never made it up there for that weekend i've been up there to do photo stuff but never uh, never for that weekend so that should be a good time I'll be the guy flying around in a Cessna ruining everybody's pictures in the pattern. <laughs> exactly. <That'll be> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because photo exactly. They don't shut the airport down for that. So, yeah, it's it's still uh, still active. All right. So let's talk. Is it is it is it too soon to talk about that uh, that campaign thing that we were chatting about? The yes. Upcoming event. It's yes. Down, downrange. <laughs> Anything quite a bit. that is that is slightly about a year away is too early. <laughs> we're gonna do something. Okay, we're okay. gonna do something cool at Adepticon. Uh, so I'm like, Brett, what are you talking about? Yeah, we're gonna do some cool stuff next year. We've been working a lot with uh, Mike uh, and Don over at the. Um, at Adepticon and the historical side, trying to figure out what we want to do that's different than just run another series of tournaments, run another game, do another demo, and uh, we may have some campaign stuff in the works. Now, what I will say is a lot of good ideas thrown out at the Adepticon planning meeting uh, earlier this week, um, and so I don't think anybody knows exactly what the big picture is, but once again, make it to Adepticon next year. You won't be disappointed. It'll be a good time. And the rumor is that Mitch and I are going to have a podcast booth. Can you imagine that? Mitch Reed and myself having to sit next to each other and podcast together. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but we'll we'll make something up for the historicals. So, No Dice, No Glory and Lead Pursuit Podcast, bringing Adepticon to you via the interwebs. It's a scary thought. 
All right, so let's talk about some Intel, things we've seen. Now, part of this article or part of the episode tonight is about Intel, things that we've been told and that we've seen, but picked up a couple things on the Warlord site. Uh, Interesting. The 172nd scale starter kit was going to last chance. Wah, wah, wah. Is it the death of Big Red Skies? What do you think, Steve? Yeah. Say, <laughs> say it isn't so. That's a personal favorite of yours, oh, yeah. isn't I'm, it? I'm so brokenhearted to see that starter set go away. It did bring us something good. It brought us the plastic uh, movement rulers and, and all that that were in the Midway set. So they were first uh, debuted in, in that starter set. But uh, yeah, so the, the 172nd scale starter set, last chance going away. Don't think it's going to be replaced. The, uh, the interesting part is, will the rules be in a PDF? Because they are different. There are a few different rules to Big Red Skies, as it's called. Uh, but we will, we'll have to see uh, what happens to that. Uh, there's also been some talk of a Blood Red Skies booklet coming out later in the year or early next year with some more rules, some more cool things from Andy. So uh, never fear. The Lead Pursuit podcast has reached out to Andy Chambers and said, Andy, what do you know? And he's told me absolutely nothing. So I'm still in the dark. (laughs) But that's all right. Keep your secrets, Andy. That's all right. We'll get you later. Uh, But once again, will Big Red Skies be pushed into that new booklet or will it have its own future? Uh, What will we do with it? I I know John is going to be brokenhearted because he has all those huge 172nd scale airplanes that we didn't play with at at Gathering of Eagles. Well, I I guess we did. We played one Korea game with them. So. Yeah, Toko Ri or something like that, right? That was fun. Well, we did, yeah, we did. Uh, we did Toko Ri at, uh, uh, at Twisted Lords, and then we did the uh, just the air to air battle uh, over at GOE, and of course that's where I beat Dan. Not that I'm going to let him ever forget that because I beat Dan because Dan was talking a lot of smack and I beat Dan. Anyway, so in case anyone's curious about that, how that game came out. All right, so let's move on to what people are working on. Uh, I don't think any of us have been doing any hobby. Wait, that's not true. Steve, you said you've been doing some hobby. I did. I got some uh, AI lightning fighters primed, but I'm in a serious hobby slump right now, man. I just got like no hobby mojo going. I think once summer break turns a corner and I'm kind of feeling good, I think I think I'll be good to go again. Yeah, my uh, my mojo has not been necessarily painting. It's been playing vintage war games. If anyone's seen from the <laughs> the Facebook feed or uh, the the linked or the uh, Instagram feed, uh, so yeah, I've I've not been doing Blood Red Skies kind of stuff. Brett, what about you? Well, I've been working on this squad of Ultramarines. So that's not, not Blood, Blood Red, Red Skies, Skies related. <laughs> I know. I've, you know what? You know what? I guess I've got some stuff in my queue for Blood Red Skies. Um, and I've got some stuff in my queue for AI too, uh, but I'm kind of holding off on the AI stuff because I need some bases. Like I'm thinking, once Steve comes out of his slump and gets on those, we well, yeah, that slacker would produce some of those extra bases he's been talking about. I swear, hey, it is Jeez. it is the just just one plane event on the ready room this week, and now you guys are gonna paint a plane for that? Yeah, no. Now, because <laughs> the other thing I'm doing for for all my uh, time is I'm as people who are watching the video, I'm moving stuff around in my hobby space. So my gaming space got slightly reorganized. Room for the bookcases came in. The The pipes are in for the bookcase. And then uh, put the, I'm going to sand and stain the wood tomorrow. So hopefully I'll have something resembling uh, room for all my books. Because all my games, the important things are brought out and, and put away. Uh, however, the uh, the books haven't made it on the wall yet. So 
I I have that Catalina sitting in my queue, and also have I, I need to hit Steve up for some decals for a couple of gladiators. I could knock those out probably pretty quick. Yeah, well, join the list of everybody who's disappointed at me that I haven't done their decal requests yet. So blue falcon. I'll put you, yeah, all right. I'll just, put you right to the top of the <laughs> disappointed with Steve list. That'll be awesome. <laughs> blue falcons right, okay. continuing to fuck their buddies. Nice work. <laughs> Oh, well, hey, you know, it wouldn't be Blue Falcon if that wasn't happening. All right. Well, uh, what else are you guys working on? Any, any other projects? Anything on the near-term horizon? I know, uh, Brett, there's a reason you have the Catalina, and so you'll paint the fucking thing. Uh, because my Catalina is still in the box next to my H8K. So both of those, neither of those have been assembled, much less painted. All right. Understood. I'll move that to the top <laughs> of the queue. Yeah. Cause if I, if I paint the, uh, the H8K, I'm just going to take my blue Falcon paints green and paint it all one color. <laughs> and then I'm going to call it done. And we'll be like, there we go. There's, there's our painted H8K, Emily. I guess I do P38s. have a little bit of guilt. Oh, nice. I, I get a little guilt every time I see somebody posted on ready room, they're fantastically painted zeros and, uh, you know, all their stuff from the starter box. And uh, I'm like, mm, yeah, I still have mine in the box unpainted. Well, I didn't uh, get on that. Talk right. about losing hobby mojo. I got my Wildcats and Zeros painted, ready for decal, gloss coat applied. And then I had to fit them to the bases to play with them. So what did I do? I ended up cutting these huge chunks out of the Wildcat to get it to fit. I think I'm going to now just drill out the bottom, put a ball bearing in and use mount it the same way as my sabers are because I, I can't cut that precisely enough to make it fit the stand tightly. And of course the, the zeros just wobble all over. So why did you have to do that? Is there a problem? Do the, the Wildcats don't fit the stand or is there something wrong with them? I'm not familiar with I'm that. Not familiar with that. I haven't seen all the 4,000 posts that are on the ready room saying, Hey, does anyone know that the Wildcats don't fit the stand? Yes. We fucking know the Wildcats don't fit the stand. <laughs> yeah. So mine, I did a horrible hack job trying to widen out the triangles. And so they're just now going to become ball bearings. I think but that's all right. Reset the clock. Yeah, exactly. We, we've talked about uh, effed up Wildcats. But hey, you know, that's why I've got a box of brand new Wildcats on its way from Warlord, just for me. So no one strangely pre-ordered any of the Warlord Wildcats, Zeros, or Corsairs. Hmm. Didn't see that one coming. Uh, but I have my own personal box in the mail arriving. So I'll tell you if they fixed the stands, because I don't think they did. All right. So what are we talking Or Actually, we couple things uh, before we jump into tonight's episode. Uh, let's talk about anything new we've seen out there. So I have seen, not for Blood Red Skies, but for AI from Battle Bling, they have their new maneuver token dials. So much like when we were playing AI and we used the little acrylic dials, they have one with kind of a stylized radar screen on top of it. You flip it over and it's got a place where you can dial in whatever number uh, of the maneuver you want to do is. So those look pretty cool. Uh, I'm super impressed with pretty much everything I've received from them, whether it be the the printed base toppers or or other pieces from those guys. So I think I think those will be pretty cool. Have you guys seen anything else uh, hobby related that's interested you besides boxes of heresy that we're not going to talk about? Because if you fuckers quit this podcast for heresy, I'll kill all of you. Now you know I've been actually checking out since we did the podcast more of the combined arm stuff. So that's. Starting to, the more I see it, the more I look at it, the more I kind of like am getting slowly like sucked into it. So 
<laughs> I, I think combined arms is going to be a thing for me pretty soon. Yeah, you know, I was talking to somebody uh, online about it because they were just asking kind of the detailed questions of what does it do? Because Warlord didn't really tell you what it did. And trying to explain to people that this it isn't a game that you necessarily, you know, play in one sitting and it's not necessarily a game that you want to leave set out and play over months and years. It's not that complex, but there's some in-between place for it. So I think a lot of people are going to do some cool stuff. I know people actually on, I think it was in the Ogre and GEV game group, we're talking about using combined arms to play campaigns in that game and in a sci-fi game and just use the basic structure of it. So there's people that are interested in it. Um, I, I haven't figured out how I'm going to use it down here. I've played it a couple times. Uh, obviously, horribly screwed up the uh, the unboxing and uh, playthrough videos, but that's all right. I'm learning how to do that, so it's uh, it'll be interesting. I was just listening to episode 89 today, and uh, it it makes me excited to paint up some of the bolt action stuff that I've gathered. I haven't started yet. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, kind of give that a spin. So it all looks pretty interesting. It's funny. Uh, just the other day, I was. Uh, I was using a bag that we got. I think it was the one of the bags, one of the uh, loot bags or whatever for all the swag at um, Adepticon. And I was using it as a laundry bag and I was dumping out laundry from it and some sprue fell out of it, I guess. You still had sprues <laughs> hidden some, away from your, your yeah, mass hole. There were, it's the, it's, yeah, it's the gift that keeps on giving, right? It had some bolt action it's like, it's sprue like a in there. bag of uh, holding, sprue in there. You, know, you know, more sprues keep coming yeah, out yeah. of it over time. But uh, anyway, yeah, I, I, I was listening to that podcast today and i was thinking man i i really got i gotta paint some of those uh those grenadiers i have you know certainly before the next time we all get together i should at least have enough to play a super small game of bolt action oh you know it also got me kind of thinking and this is so combined with the combined arms conversation in episode 89 i was uh also um you know i, I look at a lot of stuff about that uh, act, act, uh, actions in Malta. Every day I get this email. It's kind of like a report of all the stuff that happened on this day in Malta. And, you know, it's, I, I was looking at it because of all the like potential for content creation and stuff for the Blood Red Skies thing. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on with like the ship stuff, right? Ships getting attacked and even e-boats and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't really have any knowledge of, um, of the shit, the e-boat game, but it kind of makes me think, man, that, that'd be a way to kind of throw that in. It would have some relevance and stuff that I've kind of already gotten some interest in from seeing all these reports about stuff happening in Malta. So yeah, anyway, I, I cool. think there's some cool stuff you could do with that. Uh, and no one's ever really said, um, at least amongst Alessio or any of those guys, you know, what happens if you cut one of the game systems out, you know, cause you could do Malta and stuff like that and just have no ground action, just have naval action and, and air impacting naval. And I think, uh, and this, this may sound super cynical, but I think at the end of the day, they don't really care. They want you to kind of make it your own. You know, they're not, they're not saying you can't use their rules in specific ways. So I think if you said, you know what, we want to change the rules and we want to allow you to buy more airplanes and we want to allow you to uh, not have to use uh, ground units and just do sea and, and air stuff um, and then play that in Blood of Its Guys and Cruel Seas. I think it'd be pretty cool. They have submarines too, right? In the forgive me, I, I can't. It's escaping me. I can't remember the name of the the smaller. In cruel seas, no. I think cruel seas cruel just seas. has uh, torpedo boats and like some destroyers, frigates, something like that. Something small. It's cool, but anyway. So, all right, let's jump into the main topic because I know I've been watching the the smoke coming out of Steve's ears, and he's he's holding back his rage. So, 
let me introduce the topic for tonight briefly before, you know, Steve cuts in and cuts my mic off and, and proceeds with his discussion. Uh, let's talk about ACEs. So there are some ACEs coming out. There's been some changes to some ACEs, some interesting information that's that's going to be uh, leaked over the next couple months. Uh, so we're going to talk about ACEs and why you play with ACEs and what the hell ACEs are for. Cue Steve Toth's rant. I need to put a disclaimer on it before I start. I love the ACE traits. Brett and I have played several games where a skill two pilot with zero kills in the campaign was lucky enough to roll and get a trait that makes him do something exceptional. But for whatever reason, in the ready room, and let me remind you, this is a community that prides themselves so much on historical accuracy that they will argue the correct color of the anti-glare panel on the P-51 in a movie where they fight against dragons. Okay, that's how much we care about historical accuracy. That for some reason, people have just decided that pilots with any number of kills can just be called an ace. Like, what is this? They can have ace traits. They can be exceptional pilots. But people are giving out the title ace like Oprah gives away cards. Like, you get an ace. Everyone you get gets an ace. An ace. Everybody Everyone gets can an be ace. an ace. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what's going on. If you don't have five kills, you cannot be called an ace. You can have a card. You can be a character pilot in the game. You can't be an ace. And, you know, I, I was like, I'm not going to say anything about it. Because I know, I know that Dan has to be reading this. And he is fuming that people are okay with this. And then who zips in and says, oh yeah, sure, anybody can be an ace. Dan zooms in and everybody can be an ace. So I did not realize that how many millennials with T-ball participation trophies on their parents' mantles are in the ready room, right? Like, what is this? We just, we'll just give every guy out there has a kill or two kills participation ace or no trophy. kills how about no you kills no kills you're an ace come on they can't be called aces right <laughs> they can't be aces you guys got to back me up the, on this well this is what happens when you mix skill levels with an actual award it's like calling all the pilot skill four people distinguished flying cross winners you know it it has nothing to do with your pilot skill some dfc winners are highly skilled. Some DFC winners just happen to show up at the right place at the right time. How do I know that? I know a couple DFC winners and they can barely fog a mirror. So let me let me go there. <laughs> but my point is that, that this is what happens when you mix terms like ace and pilot skill five. And sure, you need really experienced pilots. You need pilots that have a lot of skills. You need, as you said, character pilots. I, I like that term because that's what they are. Even, even if they were pilot skill three, that had a trait. Oh my God. Will the world end that way? No. Once again, it's your game. Play it how you want. But And the traits are like anybody can have the trait mother hen, right? Anybody, a pilot skill two could want to take care of their wingman and have the mother hen trait, right? I don't feel like the traits cards by themselves are things that only an ace can possess, right? Brett, what are your thoughts? I see Brett fuming just waiting to jump in. No, no, no. I, I agree. Uh, with uh, 
Steve Sensenmit. In, in our case, with our campaign work, we were pretty selective on the ace traits that we put in a table that you know any any pilot could potentially get is a matter of just kind of odds. But um, they were ones that were more like you know great eyesight, you know, or you know really aggressive, you know, personality trait that you know you, you don't have to be you know an ace with five kills to potentially have that kind of trait. So we look for ones that were sort of generic like that, that might, you know, that maybe any pilot could potentially had. And we came up with, you know, probably like six different ones that, uh, that uh, seem fitting in that regard. And uh, in our games, there's a chance when you're rolling up a new pilot that he might come to the table with aggressive or eagle eyes or, you know, something like that. Well, and I think that's an interesting component because it's like several other games that force you, even when you start a pilot, to balance what their good and bad skills are. And maybe they take a hit in pilot skills so that they then could have the equivalent of a trait or a skill or something. And those are the things that make it more role-playing game-esque, you know, where you have a vested interest in your pilots rather than it just being a collection of a PS4, a couple PS2s, and a handful of PS3s. So I think there's something to be said for it. I mean, obviously, the core Blood Red Skies rules say you have to have pilot skill five and be a, quote, ace to have a, quote, ace skill, uh, so everything we're doing has been outside the bounds of the core rules, but I think, I think realistically, what we've what we've seen is people they mix. I hate to say mix their metaphors, but in a sense they do. They assume someone who has five kills is an amazing pilot. In fact, some people got five kills because they shot five bombers down. I mean, I, I I hate to use the example of one of the aces from Midway from VMF two twenty one. Uh, from the, uh, the, the, he was actually a Buffalo pilot. So we may see him later. Uh, he shot down, I think three valves and two Kates and he's an ace, not the same as shooting down five zeros in the same, same, uh, same fight. So once again, the, it's, you know, do, do you need character pilots? Yes. Do you want them? Yes. Are some of the ace traits things that any moron graduating the fighter training unit or the replacement air group today could do? Uh, yeah. Scissors maneuvering, yeah, so like every moron with 130 F-18 hours knows how to do the flat scissors, the rolling scissors. They they understand scissors maneuvering. They're apparently only aces understood in World War II. I thought scissors maneuvering was like a Kegel exercise. <laughs> I wasn't sure that we were still talking about <laughs> airplanes. I, I can tell I why you get shot down in DCS a lot. Once again, he just goes 450 knots and pulls. I, I, ladies and gentlemen, I have tried all all the over years. G, over exactly G. all the years that the Marine Corps invested in me as a as a weapons and tactics instructor, and I don't think I've been able to train Steve at all. Although I guess you got a couple kills, but they were like helicopters, right? Gazelles that were shooting you with uh, with man pads. Yeah, you can't help me. I'm beyond help. I'm definitely a skill to uh, blackout king or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just. There are some ace traits I think are, I think when you read the description of them, they are a little bit more tailored for somebody who has a bunch of leadership experience, maybe in combat or what, you know, they seem to kind of lend themselves narratively to, you know, this notion of like, this is a guy that, you know, has a ton of experience and, right. you know, more than just being like a, an aggressive pilot, more like, you know, like maybe... Maybe Mother Hand well, or something. But mother, to, to me, Mother Hand is a great example that there were many flight leaders that were good flight leaders that didn't have a lot of kills, but they brought 
the vast majority of their pilots back from, you know, air to air missions because of things like mother hand, they, they weren't out there filling their logbook with kills. They were making sure their entire flight uh, engaged. And, and that also goes down the whole discussion of thatch weave and, and doing things like that, where the goal is not for you to get all the kills. The goal is for your flight to survive, <laughs> you know, which we think like something like tactical wizard, maybe that's more like, yeah, easy, yeah. There, there, easy there's there's one, I'm trying, and of, I'm trying to think of the one, uh, cause I just looked at it today. There's a deflection shot one. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. Shot there's, yeah like that. that's a good one. Yeah. yeah and there, and there's example. ones that allow you to turn, you know, more degrees. So you get to turn your blackout, uh, master allows you to turn 90 degrees. Acrobatic. So there's ones that are, that are obviously mastering your airplane better. Um, but once again, they really have nothing to do with five kills. They have to do with your master. They they have to me, they have to do with you being pilot skill five. You've mastered your airplane. Right. Um, I would agree. So, so it's the, the line between pilot skill five and did you get five kills? Um, the right stuff. Yeah. Right stuff one. is another good one that, that I looked at today because that one uh, allows you just to get rid of your negative trait for your airplane. So <laughs> there there may be some aces coming out with that trait where it'll be very, very useful to uh, to whoever buys them or plays them. Yeah, like I said, in our in our games, you know, we certainly deviated from the core rule set on that in that regard. But we were pretty selective. You know, they're ones that I think more clearly you know, any, any rookie showing up could potentially right. demonstrate that trait and just seemed like, you know, just kind of add a little... Oh, a little bit more randomness to it, if you will. <laughs> Spread the love it's a little. Fun. But also, to go back to the original argument, in our campaign, it doesn't matter how many experience points you have, how many games your pilot played, you cannot advance to be a skill five ace until you get five kills. So you can have traits, you can have experience points, but you need five kills to be an ace, period. And in our games, at least, it's, that's been a real hard thing. To you know, We've got some guys that would probably, if not make it after like 12 games or so, are certainly really close as far as XP goes. They have the XP needed to level up, but they don't have the five kills. That's the hard part, getting five kills. Getting a guy that survives long enough to rack up five kills has <laughs> at least been my challenge. Suck less. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, moving on from Steve's rant, uh, let's talk a little bit about aces and how they've evolved a little bit over time or devolved, I think, is the point I'm going to make. But when they first were part of the game, they came in their own box with their own box art there. You know, they, it was just another piece of the production like a squadron. So that same level of effort was put in. Well, now when you order any of the new aces, you get nice ace cards, nice aircraft cards, nicely produced materials, an ace disc inside a generic green warlord reinforcement box. So there's obviously a perception that aces are not worth investing in art, box art, in custom printed boxes, uh, etc., We'll see what happens with that as some of these old aces start to get reissued, hopefully, with the transition from metal to resin. But uh, there's there has been said more than once uh, by Warlord staffers to me, there's no money in aces. Nobody cares about the aces. We're not going to produce them at the same high level that we did previously. Now, I think that's interesting because the next thing we're going to talk about is why people buy aces. 
and we've seen, at least on the lead pursuit side, that people buy a crap ton of aces. I'm constantly restocking the aces, sometimes more than the uh, aircraft boxes, which we'll come to because there might, there might be a reason there. But uh, they certainly are popular, uh, even if they don't show up with fancy box art. Uh, and I'm not sure that there's a whole lot of ace collectors. We'll talk about that as well, but I'm not sure people are collecting it to leave it sit on their shelf in the nice ace box art, but they might be. Apparently none of those people are in the ready room because they didn't say that. So, well, let's talk a little bit about why people buy them because we did a survey and it was quite humorous to read the results because once again, I was trying to be democratic, I'll say. I was trying to offer people a voice and I didn't lock the responses like I should have because some of you are fucking morons. And I'm going to say that right now. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to pick on some people here. Uh, here's a couple of the reasons why people buy aces, and these are all useful things for us to know. Uh, they they tell us a lot more about the individuals sometimes than you realize. Some people said, "I buy the aces because that way I get an aircraft card, and then I can use 3D printed planes." <laughs> Oops, I don't think that was Warlord's idea, but it's a viable way to do it because for 18, 20 bucks, you get that instead of buying a now. We're past $45. Aren't we at like $48 on Warlord's site? My God, somebody go check it while I'm talking. Uh, <laughs> the, the boxes are becoming ludicrously expensive. So I, now I totally understand buying uh, yeah, an Ace and then 3D printing your airplanes. Please don't let Warlord figure that out or we're fucked. They'll stop making Aces. <laughs> uh, okay. From either Steve or Brett, either of you uh, have have used that to your advantage before where you've decided to not get a whole bunch of uh, Warlord airplanes and just, I have an ace, so I'm covered? Uh, in my own case, I, I don't think I did it so that I could more cheaply get the cards. I, I think I, I wanted the cards, but I I wasn't, I don't know that I've really done a lot of 3D, 3D prints. So I do have several aces, like... Um, in my collection of the German stuff, but I think my primary motivation for that was so I could get the card and then also secondarily so that I could then just paint that one plane. Like, so in my case, like I did a whole bunch of 109s or a whole bunch of 110s, but made a whole squadron, if you will, like all, you know, and, and then I was, oh, but I want to paint that one A separately to make him different. Yeah. yeah. So there was that having the one plane was kind of a cool grab, you right. know? Right. Right. Obviously, now in, in kind of 3D printed world, sometimes you just print an extra plane. <laughs> so, but, yeah, right. Totally yeah. different. Yeah. So my, my, my perspe- perspective was totally outside of the whole thing. No, and, and I, I had the same because I bought a lot of them. So I'd have end up having flights of seven uh, with, a, with, a, with an ace in there. So go I, I don't get that strategy because if you're just like a cheapskate, why wouldn't you just use the master list and write the card numbers down or just so, get the beta so cards off of the ready room? I, I, I wasn't going to put it, it that way, but you did. You that's very true. So why? Because all the cards are already out on the website. And in fact, uh, our counterpart in Germany has done a great job putting all the aircraft cards on there anyway. So it's not even like us where we put things that are beta cards on our website and didn't put out uh, previous Warlord ones. All the aircraft are in that card file. There literally is no reason to need to get the card. So Even the Ace too, not just the... Like most the of the Aces are out there too. So I think the Aces are yeah, in there too, yeah. aren't they? Like the generic just card it's like not the card art right. it's, it's it's 
But yeah, it's just it's like the, a photo the of yeah data. the data and it's all there. So if you're cheap, just go download that file and 3D print the airplanes from there because <laughs> it's also got all the ace traits. It's got all the aircraft traits, the ace traits, uh, the theater and doctrine cards. Yeah, so be really cheap. <laughs> yeah, I don't think yeah, that go was, all out. I don't know. That was a thing when I was buying up. Yeah, yeah, kinds of yeah. Well, exactly. It, you know, it, we've come it, a long way in a couple yeah, of years. Exactly, and and I know there's. There's a lot of personal um, uh, ego invested in some of these cards. So it's funny to see people all do different styles and designs of cards. I'm just happy that people have access to all the information and that if they want to be able to print off a card, they can and then go play with their friends and their buddies uh, to, uh, to use that aircraft. Okay. My second favorite answer was from my fellow resident of North Alabama to resell to suckers. <laughs> now... All dick moves aside, <laughs> let's let's actually talk about this for a second, though, because this this is something I have seen in practice because I've had people buy out of print aces at high prices from me, but I still don't understand if there's that many of them out there. I mean, apparently there are because apparently people are selling some of these aces for fifty bucks or more, but I can count on one hand the number of people who come to me for an out of print ace. And it, I don't know, maybe there is a great trade in aces, but are these Pokemon cards? I mean, yeah, the cards are cool. And I get that, especially like I'm, you know, an admitted completionist, I guess, but I don't see them as a collectible as say like the little figs, right? Remember yeah. so, I, those out of production uh, figures, I think would have a lot more. If somebody came to or, me and said, I'm looking for Adolf Galland, the ace box and the figure, then be like, Okay, that's something that if I had, which I do, uh, if I had wanted to sell, then that would be something that to me would bring a high price. But just the box itself, and this goes back to the, the warlord transitioning from box art and all those things, I think initially they thought there'd be a lot of collectors out there that would be buying them up like they're collectible items, but I don't think that many pe- that many people are. I think some people are. I mean, there always are. I mean, it, it, like like today in the Solitaire Wargaming uh, Facebook group, when a, someone literally wanted to go off on me for even thinking about punching a Ares magazine that would sell for a hundred dollars with a with a game inside of it, and I'm like, it's kind of like a bottle of liquor that you never drink. What's the fucking point? You know. I'm glad that I have a $200 bottle of tequila sitting on my shelf. If I never drink it, why the fuck did I spend $200? So having a magazine that's worth $100 unpunched in very good condition is great. It's also fun to play a game. And, you know, that's why I bought the magazine, I think, for like $30, like eight years ago or whatever. But, um, yeah, it, I'm surprised at some of the the collecting that there is in war games. And uh, side note, I'll digress here for a second. It's it's very funny that the very person who told me not to punch it, Mitch Reed, you freaking jerk, the guy who convinced me not to punch it, then comes back a day later and goes, yeah, you know, you should have punched it. I've got copies of Arab Israeli War and all these other classic games. I bought the last one I could find and I still punched it and played with it. <laughs> so, jerk. But anyway, all right, we'll move on from reselling, quote, to suckers. All right, now, this one is my least favorite excuse and it's excuse and it's total bullshit because when people say this they don't follow back up with any information now the options were i play them in tournaments i play them in narrative games i don't play them i collect them and then the option was quote was added 
And let me quote here. I use them however I want. No shit, dude. It's a free freaking world. <laughs> but my point is, does anybody play these in tournaments? No. So all of you who clicked, because there were a ton of you, and while I'm babbling, I'm actually going to go look at Facebook again, because I think it's like 17 of you selected this answer. So 17 of you assholes come back and tell me, one, have you ever played an ace in a tournament? Two, have you ever played an ace in a pickup game with your buddy? Three, have you ever actually played it in some narrative battle about uh, that that ace would have been in, which generally is about the only time we play ace cards? Because all y'all just basically said, oh, I buy aces so I can play aces. Yeah, no shit. Thanks. Thanks. That was a lot of help. <laughs> I play tested with Steve an ace for um, potential use in goe but it was so expensive it is and and that's that's kind of the next point that we can lead into is you know what's the use of these aces because that's why i tried to ask some targeted questions that in hindsight i should have locked down the questions and not let people take a cop-out answer but the fact is at the at first blush I, i don't find them tournament competitive just for the points i mean it's cool you get various bonuses you get multiple skills yeah eric hartman did work in that game we played but man it's so spendy for a tournament list yeah and when you fun fun to play though and you think about it you you have in a standard u.s format tournament you got three rounds in there and guaranteed there'll be a swarm list guaranteed there's going to be a an ace heavy list somewhere in there so where is your, how is your ace going to fit in and fight both of those? Because I know that was the problem as, as Steve and I were playing our grudge match back at Siege of Vicksburg was I took an ace heavy list, but I had to be able to balance, well, what am I fighting? Am I, do I need to do multiple things per turn or do I need to be able to gang up and just kill one guy per turn? Cause it's a, a low model count list, things like that. So, so I think in tournaments and, and I would love for someone to make me eat my words. So this is a challenge. This is a challenge to all of you all going to the next series of tournaments. Somebody show up with a named ace. Named ace, play him in a tournament, and don't be at the bottom tables. <laughs> well, it's super high reward, super high yeah. risk, yeah. too, though, right? So, like, if you are in the position where your ace, you have that named ace, and he can is in the position he can use that card over and over and over, I can see it being really good. But if you never get into that position, it's like you spent all those points for essentially something you well, can't Well, and a lot anyway. of the double skill, I mean, the, the name bases, because they have two skills, are are complementary skills. They're not like polar opposites. It's not like I have the ability to outmaneuver and the ability to um, turn tightly, you know, with an extra yep. 45. So, so it's not like your, your aces usually are bracketed at doing everything well. They're targeted in, in what that ace was known for, and so, I, I, like you say, if you don't have that opportunity to use what they are geared towards, then you've literally blown a lot of points. Um, yeah, I haven't thought really hard about it in a while, but I think there's a little bit of a, like a math hammer sort of advantage with the ace because you get those two traits. You know, right. if you calculate like the value of the two traits for the price of the ace, it's kind of works out to be. You know, it's, there's a value there, right? But the challenge is you're stuck with what you get, right? Right. So, like you're saying, right? I can't think of a great example, but you know, I, I think it'd be nice to have one that has maybe, uh, uh, 
what's the awesome? Oh, snapshot and I know you're tight, right? But that's not a combination. We'll keep theorizing I, I while I pull up my ace cards list, and we'll right. talk about this. What's the is aggressive the trait where you can maneuver and shoot in the same turn? Stop asking me tough questions. What ace trait is that one? <laughs> uh, I just looked at that one where you you get to outmaneuver and you get to shoot, and that is I yeah. am drawing a blank. I suck. I mean, I can see if you have a named ace with that one, and then any kind of ace trait that adds a buff to your shooting probability. I could see that being super utilitarian. Yeah. But like Brett said, those don't those combinations. I haven't seen them really exist like that. The, the other challenge too. Well, uh, uh, there's another. Uh, there's another potential, um, you know, value with a named ace that we really haven't considered is the the bonus pip to like firepower or maneuver that you get with those guys. Those are only coming with the ace, the named aces, right? That's that's pretty cool. That's 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 worth something. Uh, you have to ask yourself, is it worth the extraordinary number of points? And then, like we're already talking about, like those combination of ace traits, are you really going to find those super useful? That's the tough part. Now, the other part of it, at least in my own experience, like you know, I think I tried it with Eric Hartman. Of course, I was flying a a BF one hundred and nine. Right? Is there a way to like maybe put Eric Hartman in a you know in a zero or something, and maybe make something well, theoretically you could because he's I don't know he, maybe. <laughs> I, you could put him in any single engine fighter. I, I haven't tried that. <laughs> I'd probably be like, you know, not, not the most likely guy to try that. But I mean, it just says single engine fighter. So I mean, in a tournament setting, maybe that's a thing. I think I don't it'd know. be the wrong anyway, faction. That's, but yeah, yeah, you start to get into some challenges there. If there's some way maybe to put a, like totally change the aircraft, if maybe that would change somehow the calculus. I haven't thought that hard, hard into it, obviously. Well, I, I think one of the things as I look at these guys is that you end up with traits that, that at the end of the day, neither stack nor are um, opposite ends of the spectrum. Because if they stack, then it becomes really kind of unfair. Because then what happens is you play that. You can only play one ace trait, but you're going to play that ace trait card. The next turn, you're going to do the same thing, and you're going to play and, and have the same kind of effect. So, like, um, and I'm trying to look at a couple of the guys here to bring up some that are, that are really fairly similar. Uh, things like acrobatic and slippery, you know, where, where you're really, you're doing cool maneuvering things. Uh, obviously... Uh, some of them are, I hate to say throwaway traits, but the throwaway except for specific missions like, uh, you know, Borchers with Dive Master and Giant Killer. Well, if you're not facing bombers, then, <laughs> then you're never going to use that one. Um, you know, but, but there are a few that have uh, what I'll call, I've been referred to as the opposite end of the spectrums. You've got guys that are accurate and then tough. So, you know, they're, they're good on the defensive and they're also good uh, being played offensively. Um, but I think, I think there's just still a, a level of it's not, um, what do I want to say? It's, there's, they're, they're not Swiss Army knives. They're not, the aces aren't jacks of all trades. You know, they're, they're really targeted to be good at, at right. one you, thing. You're going to have a light, probably way more fun with them. In a narrative game, yeah, right, with yeah. Those well, guys exactly. That, that, you know, that you know, once again, it goes back game. to my soapbox. Is that some of these guys are really fit to a narrative game, um, and some might be fit to a quote competitive game at your FLGS, where they say, okay, we're going to play priority target or whatever is a scenario. So there might be bombers, but they're not geared towards an all comers kind of list, which is what you 
build in a tournament. You don't build a targeted list. You build something that's going to do well across the spectrum of what people throw at you. Um, so, but I digress about tournaments. <laughs> All right. So let's keep, uh, let's keep talking here. Uh, the, you know, how do we use them? You know, are they, are they just, uh, as I call them, Pokemons for grognards? Uh, maybe they are in some ways that we buy them. We look at them, we admire them. We say, that'd be a really cool set of skills. And we play that maybe once, not a big deal. They, they are relatively cheap if you do that. And if you use them once in, in some narrative game, um, but I've never found I've never found a need, a point where I looked at my list because we play 500 point lists and said, I have so many extra points, I'm willing to give up another 25 or 35 just to get a second skill. I've ne- I'm, I'm always tight. No, I would spend that extra I would spend that extra exactly. 25 on just exactly. the skill level up. That's what I don't understand about it. If I have a spare 25 points, I'm not even looking at a named ace. Because I look at it the other way. I look at the other way that if he's taking a named ace, there is one pilot that on average, I'm going to outmaneuver more often because they're going to be already a pilot skill lower because he took the extra 25 to make it a named ace. So that on any given encounter, I've got a dude that's probably a higher skill. And part of that is also because of my tactics. And Steve, you and I both do the same thing. We lead off with a higher skill pilot, outmaneuver somebody in, in whatever our, the force coming at us is, and then we dogpile on that person we've outmaneuvered and knocked them down from whatever advantage level they have to something lower. Um, and that's just kind of one of our opening strategies because we play dogfight so much. Because you end up, you know, sticking your butt in a corner and facing everybody off and, and, and you know, figure out where the clouds are. I think our thoughts on that would be different were we playing much more and I, and I don't want to say narrative games cuz you guys play that way with the um uh with the campaign but if they were pickup games if if you didn't already have a fixed roster in that sense if you said hey we're going to play priority target and build a list and and uh you know Steve you're going to be the defender oh good i'm going to take somebody with giant killer because i want to shoot multi-engine bombers um you know so i think yeah, I would say even more so for me, my problem with the game is I just forget to use the damn card. Like, it's the same with, like, the... Ro- That's why, like, Planes with Robust are great, but I forget to use the freaking card half the time. That, and I That was the best the part about the digital it. edition. Like, that little card would dance around and go, hey, dummy, hey, use me. <laughs> card play opportunity here. Because, <laughs> yeah, otherwise I would forget. I suck. I mean, how many times have Brett and I played a game and I'm like, oh, man, I totally forgot I even had an ace on the board, <laughs> let alone if they had a card. I like I mean, it it doesn't even yeah, register. For I, me. I think my problem and especially the grudge matches happened and it happened in another pickup game. I was playing somewhere where I took my ace heavy list and literally I chose the right skills but the aces I had in those fights were in the opposite fight. So like the ace who was going to be the outmaneuver dude was stuck in the cloud fight. And the guy who would be the regain advantage, you know, ace, he was stuck out in the other fight, not in the cloud fight. And I'm like, oh, I'm like I've totally screwed this up. So yeah, there's my, my experience has been aces are fun. Aces are great uh, to play with. And, and especially when there's no ego in the game and you're just having a good time drinking beer, you know, playing uh, with your friends. But I'm just not sure they play well in a tournament. But once again, like I said, somebody make me eat my words. Prove me to be an idiot, please. I will say, if you combine 
a solid named ace with Don's cheating magnet <laughs> dice tower winning combination right there, man. I wonder, you know, we've talked with Andy a little bit about the calculus for making the uh, the points for the named aces, and it was really kind of a swag, I guess, if I recall. I wonder if there is potentially some, you know, methodology we could apply to it to come up with like, you know, you know how we have the scoring system for the traits and stuff that go with actual aircraft, right? If we can kind of get to that level of specificity with the pointing well, for name and I, th- I think whenever there is a, a version two, if there's going to be a version two, that's something that needs to happen. And it doesn't have to be super precise, but I know Andy has put some thought into it because once again, some aces are 25, some aces are 35 extra. Um, and the bomber aces actually have a cost, but it's less because they're not bringing a fighter to the game. But I, I think, I, I don't know how to say this. I think the problem is some skills outweigh their point cost and others are far less useful, especially just in how the game seems to be played. And I don't think it's a closed deck versus open deck kind of thing, but it just seems to me that even having all of those cards available open deck all the time and you still don't use your ace traits um maybe it just means i suck that bad playing but it just it 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 just seems like you don't use your ace traits as much as i use being one pilot skill higher than somebody you know yeah well so situational you're gonna you're gonna use that extra pilot skill every single activation exactly exactly and that, that that's and that's exactly the the difference i think between fighter aces and bomber aces is Fighter aces may never get to the point where they use their ace skill. Bomber aces, based on the skills they've been given, they're going to get to the target or they're going to get shot at by flak or shot at by a fighter. Those three things are going to happen to them. Therefore, they're always going to use their skill. Fighter aces, because some of the things are so specific, they may not be in an opportunity where they can both outmaneuver and shoot in the same turn. You know, your opponent may just have, have painted you in the corner and you don't get to do that. So I think there's there's some thought processes that needs to go in there. And, and Andy's been super open about it. You know, there's, he's talked about bombers and the fact that bombers probably in the next version will have point values. Um, or at least there will be some calculus to balancing the bombers you take versus the targets that are on the board. Um, because it won't necessarily be that fighter and bomber points are interchangeable. Um, but that, that there'll be a way to, to point those things out because not all bombers are created equal. Not all single engine bombers, per, you know, perform the same. So they shouldn't be, uh, the same freebie, uh, but whatever. That's someone else's math problem. That that math hammer makes my head hurt. Okay, so let's talk about the rumors we've heard. So let's let's move on from bitching about the rules and bitching about other players uh, to uh, rolling out there some good information that our warlord insiders have told us. Now the one that's the two that warm my heart that I care the most about that. Nobody else probably gives a rat's ass, <laughs> but that they are going to re-release Joe Foss uh, with an F4F Wildcat. And God, I hope the freaking base triangle is the right size. Uh, and Pappy Boynton for the F4U Corsair. So you're going to get an F4F Wildcat ace with Foss. Uh, you're going to get Pappy Boynton for the F4U Corsair. I don't know if Kirkwood is going to be re-released or not. I don't know... Um, some of the other uh, guys that have been talked about and nominated for both those airplanes, I don't know if they're going to be released or not, but I do know at least those two are coming back. Now, I remind everyone, the Corsair card that previously came with Boeington 
is the late model Corsair. So it's speed nine. It's the super fast four bladed prop, more of a late World War II, early Korea uh, Corsair. If you want to play Boyington the way he should be, then you'll go out to either our site or to the ready room and download the uh, earlier F4U card that will give you a speed eight airplane. Um, but also with that great winning trait of great dive. Yes, I've, I've won so many tournaments on that trait. <laughs> right now, Trevor's being triggered just for me mentioning great dive. Uh, but uh, that that's an easy one that I, I don't think they'll change the card for the aircraft, but obviously they'll they'll put the new, uh, uh, new resin Corsair in there. Uh, apparently, Saburo Sakai is getting reissued. Now, this is an interesting one that I wonder about because he was issued with a... a uh, the uh, A6M50. Um, so hopefully it'll be the M2 Resin Zero that'll be out there, and it'll be with an M2 card uh, and not with an M5. Uh, but the other question is, there's two Saburo Sakai cards out there. There's the old Blood Red Skies one, and there's the one that was promoted for Blood Red Skies Digital that was official Warlord art. So I don't know what his skills are going to be. I don't know what his traits are going to be. Uh, but... He's getting reissued, so that's that's good news. So that way you won't have a bendy plastic uh, A6M5 with your uh, with your Ace card. Okay, so a couple other ones. I think uh, Muto uh, and Suboy, the other two Japanese Aces, are also next. So they're I think they're working through Aces to support these re- latest resin releases. Uh, and then they'll get back to the other aces that were metal, uh, either in German aircraft uh, or British aircraft later. But it sounds like, uh, I know Muto is definitely coming out. I think Suboy should also be coming out. Uh, those those cards should be the same, uh, just with a nice new resin airplane instead of that crappy flattened metal one. Um, but what I don't know is when the rest of them will be done. I My assumption is from talking to Team Warlord that when they remaster aircraft in resin about a month later, two months later, the aces will follow. Now, some of these guys already had boxes and box art. We'll see if they come back out in boxes with box art or do they come out in generic green boxes. Don't know. I don't know. Do you guys even care? Do, do the two of you care whether your ace shows up in a green warlord reinforcement box or has a fancy little picture of the ace on an airplane? <laughs> I haven't kept any of the boxes. Neither have I. I, mean, I thought the bar, the box art was cool, but I don't keep it. Yeah. It wasn't a collector thing for me. Yeah, I've actually hung on to Warhammer 40K boxes for box art for, as collector stuff more than any of those aces. So I I don't really, I, I don't care. I, it kind of hurts that, that they aren't invested in the same amount as a, as a squadron, but, you know, it's a business decision. If you're not going to sell as many of them, you know, just uh, just put them in the green boxes. Do new squadrons come? Yes. In the so fancy box the art, only reinforcement boxes I have received are obviously um, custom limited edition stuff, like the the Catalina and the H8K came in in reinforcement boxes. Uh, re reboxed Zvezda stuff. So I guess at some point Warlord got a bunch of the sprues or even all of it in a plastic, but didn't get boxes because a couple of the LI twos that I've seen showed up in, in warlord reinforcement boxes. And then the, uh, the Korea war jets came out. So the, the Panther and the F 80 both came out 
in reinforcement boxes. No box art, nothing fancy. Nobody thought these things were going to do that well. Guess what? <laughs> I keep selling out of them. Uh, not as much as I sell out of other stuff, but but Lead Pursuit has has sold a bunch of the uh, bunch of the Korea jets. So, um, hey man, Forge World sells everything in a white box, don't they? No art. Yeah, I mean, so let's let's not kid ourselves that stuff either showing up in the Forge World fancy black box or the cheap white box. Does anyone care? Shows up in a blister. Nobody really cares. Um, I just I think that at some some point there's there's a difference in mindset because you don't normally put Forge World blisters on a retail shelf. So you got to have some things that look cool. So as long as they continue to invest in the mainline aircraft, like the Wildcat, the Zero, 109, 190, P-51, as long as those have box art, I think everyone else really doesn't care. That's a good point because I, I my recollection of seeing the Aces was at Adepticon in 2019 and they look cool on the shelf, right? But if they're not sitting on a shelf somewhere, maybe it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. If it's direct. And, and, I, and I think that's that's an honest business decision we've talked about Warlord having to make is that some of the things they need to offer are in a sense made to order. And they, they come out when you order them. Some of them have a promotional value and they should have a higher production uh, thrown at them. They should have box art. They should be available in stores. That whole available in stores is yet a whole nother argument um, because sometimes some of these bundles, like for the Aces, don't come out very store friendly because stores don't want to order six of each Ace. You know, Lead Pursuit does because, shit, I have people from all over the S or buy from us. But your local FLGS doesn't want to buy 18 Aces when, you know, the Japanese, three Japanese Aces are released. So um, I think Warlord. They're kind of doing themselves a disservice, but I understand why. They they got to push stuff to stores in, in mass amounts. All right, well, let's talk about a couple of the new aces that are coming out. Now, I'm not going to name names because if I do, some people will be very disappointed with me. But I'm going to tell you what airplanes are coming out. So we already have some aces that can fly this airplane, but we're about to get some more. And yes, I'm talking about the F-86 Sabre. Who can fly the F-86 these days, might you ask? Well, obviously, Gabby Gabreski. I think people also forget about this one. Uh, Boots Blessy, the guy who is your F-80 ace, did his second tour and got like another nine kills or something like that in F-86s. So, in fact, you have two American aces uh, that are there that are usable. You actually also have some Germans who flew F-86s. <laughs> so if you're doing any Cold War gone hot kind of games, uh, you can use those guys. Obviously, Hartman being one of those um, that uh, that's available. Uh, but there should be some more dedicated F-86 aces coming out. Now, this will be interesting to see how there's how they're statted how they are specified because you know once again once you get the jet trait in there uh that tends to change some of this regaining advantage maintaining advantage doing skills like that um i i, I am going to say that everyone there's going to be much wailing and gnashing of teeth when everybody sees one of the aces and you can all blame me and you can all kiss my ass but that's all right <laughs> He hey, does. does. He, have five he in fact kills? has five. He has five kills. And he's good so, with me. Um, but but there's uh, there's going to be one of the aces that's going to come out in this new wave that people will be like, really? And I'll be like, yes, yes, really, yes. It's, I, I seem to recall there was some discussion about 
maybe reprinting some of the ace cards to reflect the jet stuff because when they first made some of the guys for World there, War II, there has been, and I'll there, be honest, I haven't gone back and followed up with Andy on that as, as are they prepared to fix those? Because there's, there has been a lot of internal discussion about, um, uh, closing some loopholes, you know, fix I don't want to say loopholes, but tightening up some card issues, uh, that Andy has said, okay, we need to make sure this, because we've changed it. This is actually put out in the new version. Uh, so Andy's been doing a really good job. And even in some of the emails that I got today, Andy was making the point that, Hey, when you all say these look good, we're now going to have to move on and, uh, make sure that warlord uses this version, not the previous version. So, um, and that, and that's any game where you're tightening up wording and, and getting rid of loopholes in the rules. So to go with your lovely F-86 aces, there's also going to be MiG-15 aces. And I think these are going to be a real surprise. These are going to be good. Uh, w- once again, we did actually have sort of a MiG-15 ace. You could have played Ivan Kozadub as a MiG-15 ace. He really wasn't flying at that time, but he was a MiG-15 pilot after the war. And he, in fact, led the first air regiment uh, into Manchuria to um, to be able to defend the airfields there against the uh, United Nations forces. So uh, there should be two dedicated aces coming out for the MiG-15. I think people are really going to like the skills. So a lot of work went in and there was a lot of wrangling behind the scenes and a lot of really good input uh, from people about what skills would match these pilots and match kind of the, the mythos and the stories about them uh, to make it to make it have some flavor to it. So you felt like you really were, uh, were getting some, uh, some good ace pilots. Uh, so I think I, and I don't want to say too much. I don't want to really reveal too much, but I think people will be surprised, uh, at some of the choices there, but I think they're good choices. And I think they're, they're really going to expand the way you can play and the, and the, the, I'll say the deadliness of the MiG 15. I think it'll be good. Give me some right stuff to counteract that rough ride. I don't know. Why would they ever do that? That would be cheating. That would just, that would totally change things. One of them may in fact have the right stuff. <laughs> uh, but that, that'll that be nice to have, to have uh, MiG-15s that can uh, not have to be under the effects of rough ride. Uh, there's some other aces out there. There's some names thrown at me that uh, I believe there's a couple more British coming out. I don't know where they Corsair, fleet air arm guys, you know, F4, uh, F, uh, or, you know, Martlet, shall we call it, uh, fleet air arm guys. So there, I think there's some U.S. aircraft being released in this latest release that are also getting British aces. And that's good. I mean, it's it's good to, to spread the wealth when you can. Uh, once again, I'm already surprised that with the P-39, we don't have some uh, P-39 aces for the Soviets in there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as these as these aircraft get released, hopefully some more aces will come out. Uh, and I think it's a good thing. You know, once again, I, I don't get that bent about there being lots of different aces out there. I don't think it should be a small pool of cards available to the players. I think it should be pretty big. But once again, make your own ace, you know, while you're at it. If, there, if there's somebody out there that you think should be represented, make that card, play that card, Use it when you're at your FLGS. If somebody really gets upset about that, then they should be playing tournaments, not playing narrative games. <laughs> so they'll be they'll be hanging out with Steve, you know, doing tournaments. All right. Yeah, exactly. Bring That's it. all the sneaky intel I have. Uh, I know you guys probably have some questions between Steve and Brett for me, things that maybe are, I've heard from Andy, maybe not heard. Uh, what are the other kind of things that have been been sitting out there that, 
people have been wondering about when is Warlord going to do X or release X? I'm curious if we're stepping into these F-86 aces, some of these guys could maybe be Vietnam aces. Some of, also, some of them maybe? could. Is that uh, and I, I think from the discussions I've had with Andy, and I have to be just careful how I say this. I think Andy is super excited to always expand the game. I think he has firmly drawn a line somewhere in the 1960s. And I'm going to say that because I don't even know where the line is. Um, but I know that he has interests in some things after Korea, but not so far as to make it into Vietnam. So um, we'll ask Andy that the next time. We're like, Andy, <laughs> are some of these aces going to be used later in later historical things? Brett, what kind of questions do you have for uh, for Warlord or for our people on the inside? Oh, well... Uh, I don't know how much we can say about it, but I'm interested in what that compendium's looking like. Yeah, I, I, I well, I really am interested. In I, and, and I'll be frank, I I know only one or two things about it. I'm sure there's a lot that's going into it, and I'm sure uh, Andy, which is why I asked him for an interview, <laughs> Andy knows a lot and would like to say a lot, but I think he's also uh, got the usual... Um, uh, you know, negotiation with Warlord on how many pages can I have? How much information can I put in there? Um, because Andy generally would like to give players as much as they can take to go do all kinds of cool things with. Remember, the original idea was that Airstrike would have literally almost all the cards in it. And that got trimmed down to, I think, 18 cards by the time we were done. Uh, but the original intent was to have aces in there, have, you know, a bunch of different aircraft cards, be able to really play with Airstrike. Uh, and that, you know, for a variety of business decisions and printing decisions did not, did not end up in, uh, in airstrike that way. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I, th- I want to know more about the, the compendium. So, uh, today was the first of many emails to Andy saying, spill the beans, get on the program, talk to the Lee pursuit podcast. So hopefully between my schedule and his schedule this, uh, this summer, we'll be able to work that out. Anything else guys? No quiet. My God, they have nothing to say. All right. With I wore your rant, myself you, you, out you, with, my, with my rant. I went, <laughs> I went all in too early. We're now going to say never go full toth. That's what we're going to say. <laughs> well, all right. Well, on that note, I want to thank everyone for listening to us. Uh, please go out there, uh, subscribe to us, uh, like us, say nice things on, uh, on Apple Podcasts and on Google Podcasts about us. Feel free to leave us reviews on our website. Uh, actually, people have also even started to realize that when you buy something from us, it now asks for a review. So tell us what you like, what you didn't like. And if you complain to me about your uh, B-17 guns being broken, I'm going to blame Steve. It's all Steve's fault. But uh, but thanks to everybody who has gone out there and bought a lot of stuff recently. Uh, it has helped fund a lot of the other cool things we're trying to do for Lead Pursuit. So thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Uh, once again, we were going to keep digging with Warlord and try to get some more information, and we'll be bringing you another episode next week that hopefully is not as boring and useless as this one. Fly well, fight hard, and don't suck any dicks crossing the parking lot. Perfect. <laughs> it's a start. Yeah, I'm not going to use that one. <laughs> All right, boys. Uh, we got to figure something. Please, because I'm all out of fucking ideas. No, have people write in weekly. They can, like, submit their closing line that week. 
free B-17. Free B-17 with the winning submission. <laughs> 